Today is February 4th. The title of today's message is Grab Hold. Everybody say grab hold. Grab hold. We've given a lot for you to grab hold on over the last few months. We had a 12th round series. That was incredible. Are you still thinking about being able to clinch, turn? Yeah, that should still be ringing in your ears. The fact that everything that we clinch with, we find the scripture and we turn on it, and then we pound the enemy for all we are worth. Amen? Are you still pounding? Are you still swinging? Are you still fighting? I don't know. We're getting worn out just saying yes. How is it that... We had an entire month, eight sermons, learning what it is to be a Talmudim, learning what it is to be a true disciple of Christ. Man, what an, I am so blessed by these young men, these young lions that got up here before yeah. us and shared with us what this is like. I want you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 today. Amen. The word that came forth this morning through prophetic voice was incredible. Did you hear it today? I know your hearts were stirred. If your hearts weren't stirred, then you're not alive. We need to go ahead and bring out the little paddles and go ahead and shock you right there in your seat. That's what this message is going to do for you in case you didn't know. We're going to turn up the voltage here to make sure that every single person is alive. But did you hear the word of the Lord to us this morning? Did you hear that it was that we are supposed to go after it, not leave anything unturned? We're going to leave no stone unturned. The, part, the stony parts of our heart, we're going to remove them. We're not going to allow the enemy to have any area of our life, not any goods, not any spoils that he keeps that we are not going to go after and get it back 100%. Are you ready for that? That is what I can feel that the Lord is trying to do in a minute. I heard him say it to us, and I was so encouraged by the very words of the Lord. And you know what I began to immediately think of? You. Oh, I thought of me too. I thought of exactly how it applies to my life. And then immediately after that, I went, wow. Lord, there are some people that are in this room that are doing as fine as any Christians I've ever seen. I've seen people who have been dormant in their walk come alive over the last two months. I've seen people who were playing games, even in the midst of our church, who've begun to go, you know what? You're right, Pastor. We do need to get more serious about this. I've seen people start to change their daily patterns in order to enact what they've been hearing. And I'm so very proud of you as your pastor. Amen. But you know what the Word of God this morning confirms to me? Is that we're not all the way there yet. That we are not there yet. What we promise to do to you as pastors, what we promise to do for you as pastors, is whatever we get up in front of you, it is a passage of Scripture that we have interacted with this week. That we have gone and we've heard from the Lord and it just impacted us in some kind of way and we trust that what God is doing in us is in fact what God is doing in us. First Corinthians 12 is one of those kind of passages for me this week. There's a couple of you that we, we've seen each other this week in pastoral moments outside from behind a pulpit. JJ, did, I not, did we not talk about this this week? Well, we're going to talk about it again. Because we want everybody to get it. Take a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 12. Are you there with me? Is your heart there? Amen. Let's beginning reading in verse 12. Chapter 12, verse 12. The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts. Everybody say many parts. And though all of its parts are many, just in case you didn't get it from the many parts, the parts are many. They form one body. Everybody say one body. One body. Everybody say one body. One body. 
So it is with Christ. Boy, he's giving you, this is such a clear example for us. It's a metaphor that everyone in the room can get. You know why? Because you are alive and you actually have a body. You can like it, you can not like it, but you have a body, so you can understand these principles. The Lord is laying this out, and what I want you to do today is as we read through this, we're going to read through it, we're going to read through a great deal of this portion of the Bible, so you might as well stick a a tab there. You might as well stick something here, because we're going to come back to it often during today. But what I don't want you to do is think that you already have this mastered. What I found out this week as I was reading and encouraging others with this scripture is the Lord was slapping me around. He was shaking me. He was lighting a fire within my soul. And I went, wait, but I already know this passage. He was like, yeah, not the way that I want to show it to you right now. Oh, more revelation. Yes, Lord, let's do that. What, what we're doing today is we're talking about, so it is with Christ. So what is? The fact that there are many, and yet we are one. For we are all baptized by one spirit. Everybody say one spirit. One spirit. Into one body. Everybody say one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, black or white, Hispanic or not. I just put everybody else in the not category right there. Right? Whatever you are or not, we have one body and one spirit. Amen? Amen. Keep your place here. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. It reminds me of this passage here. Let's look at Ephesians 4 and verse 4. Being called and being created to be a pastor, to be a shepherd, to be one that's supposed to lay his life down for other people. Man, I love the book of Ephesians. I love the book of Ephesians. And look at verse 4. There is one body. Everybody say one body. body. And one spirit. Everybody say one spirit. spirit. Just as you were called to one hope. Everybody say one hope. hope. Are you catching the theme here? It's almost like we're, you know, it's the one association, right? Why why are we say that? Because we're trying to get to the one. One hope when you were called. One Lord. Everybody say one Lord. One One faith. One One baptism. One One God and Father. Father. Wow. Are are you getting the theme here? Everybody in the room getting the theme. There's one body and there's one spirit. Turn with me to Exodus chapter 17. Man, as I was thinking about this this morning... Couldn't get away from Exodus 17. This idea of one body, of one spirit. You know, it's a whole lot easier to say one body than it is to live as one body, isn't it? Think about your actual family unit for a second. Your home. You are one body. Whatever your, that family home looks like, you have one. How easy is it for you to act as one in your household? Sometimes it can be a little difficult, huh? Depend, I guess some of you are like, yeah, it depends on what time of day. <laughs> Is this the morning time when we're trying to get the crew ready for school? Is this the evening time when you're trying to get ready for bed? Is this just anywhere in between? It is difficult for even one family unit to operate as one, isn't it? And yet here we are as a family of families. Here we are together realizing that we have to act as one body. That no one is exempt. Not one person in here is exempt from this part that we're speaking about. In Exodus 17, I was reminded of this incredible passage. We see Moses here. And what is he doing? He is holding up a staff. He's holding up 
a standard. And what happens is Moses holds the standard up. Come on, you guys are Bible, Bible scholars. Tell me what this is. Victory is wrought by Joshua, who is actually out on the field. So Moses is up. He's in a certain place and he's watching the battlefield as he keeps his hands held high. As he keeps his hands held high, what happens is victory is wrought by his brother. What happens when the natural human part of us that gets tired of holding up something, what happens when it starts to fall? The enemy begins to win. Wait, are you telling me that our victory or defeat as a body of believers is as simple as whether we can hold up the standard or not? Yes, that's exactly what I'm telling you. As we look in in Exodus 17, let's look in verse 12. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone. Oh, come on now. Sometimes you got to remove the rocks from your own heart, but make sure that you are firmly planted on the rock the stone, which is Christ, and put it under him and he sat on it. You know when you get tired of upholding the righteous standard? You've got to make sure that you're planted on Christ. Come on now. There's got to be more people in here than just Tamika with her pretty little hat on today. <laughs> got to be more than just that. Aaron and her held up his hands. Man. You mean it takes brothers to help us hold up our hands? You mean it takes the very priesthood of God, the very word and the very spirit of God, if you want to look at it like this, to be able to hold up the righteous standard? Yeah, that's exactly what we're saying today. One on one side and one on the other. Why does the Bible give that so simple? I think it reminds us of the very temple, the very tabernacle of God. On one side or on the other, whether you look to the right or to the left, you're going to hear the voice of the Lord behind you saying, this in fact is the way. And you are supposed to walk in it. So his hands remain steady till sunset. Come on. Don't you like to have steady hands? You want to walk up to a doctor who's about to do surgery and him uh, have this going on? Yeah, you need to stop drinking coffee, bro. Don't. We're going to postpone this thing. Mm. I want steady hands. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Then this is the part that I actually want to focus on. Then the Lord said to Moses, write on this scroll as something to remember and make sure that Joshua hears it. Come on now. You might write some things down for other people, but we want to be the type of family here that presses in so we can actually hear the very words of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Because I will completely blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar. Come on, somebody say altar. Altar. And called it, the Lord is my banner. He said, for hands were lifted up to the throne of the Lord. If he wouldn't have put that, then we could talk all day about Moses raising his hands up and how important that is. Maybe we're trying to get you to raise your hands during worship, right? From here. Everybody see anybody start off here? I had, I had some family members that came by the other day, and we started off here in worship, Pastor. It was, I mean, this is really what happened. He was here, and by the end of it, we were here. We could talk about raising our hands, but what is the key to this? It's not just getting your hands up or getting your hands up. The key to this is that he lifted up hands to the very throne of God. When it says that the Lord is my banner, I have a slide for you. This is Yahweh Nisi. Yahweh Nisi. There are only two letters in the word for Nisi. You see that it's for banner or standard. The Lord is my standard. The Lord is my banner. 
It's two letters. This is the modern look at it. It's a noon on your right. I went ahead and did it in the Hebrew format, looking from right to left. The noon on the right and a samic on the left. Okay? We'll go to the next slide. Here's what it would look like in the Paleo-Hebrew, the ancient, actually the way Moses would have written it, would have been this way. The noon. What does that look like? Yep, that's what it looks like. It stands for to continue, to have a son or an heir. So thousands of years before microscopes, we get something that even in the paleo form of this letter, it reminds you about having a son or an heir or to continue on to do what the Lord is doing. <clears throat> on the left, we have a samic, which means to grab, to protect, or to hate. The way that I saw this was that the banner, you know what, when it says that Yahweh is my banner, it means that we are supposed to continue to grab. We are supposed to not only just put our hands up, but we are supposed to grab hold of the very heavenly presence of God and stay focused on it. Yeah. Come on, somebody say grab hold. Grab hold. Put up both of your hands and grab hold. grab hold. We are supposed to grab hold of God's standard. And you know what we're supposed to do? Never let it go. Amen. This is the kind of church that we are going to grab hold every day, every time, for every person that we will grab hold to the standard of God. There are not two standards in this place. There are not multiple standards here. There's not one for those who are going to go off into ministry, uh-oh, and one for the rest who are going to stay here. Because what would that put? That would make two standards. That would make two visions. Oh, it might even create division. There is a singular standard that we have to have. And I want you to stay with me today. Because what I know confirmed through the Word of God during our worship time is I know for a fact that we've got to get at some things that the enemy has kind of stolen from us and have made it think that it's okay for us to have something different than a single standard here in this place. I know it. I can feel it. And the Lord is going to allow us to get to it today. So you know what we're going to do? We're going to grab hold. Say it with me. Grab hold. Grab hold. Say it again. Grab hold. grab hold. There is one standard, my friend. There is one standard. If you think that you can do this a different way, it's not because our church is blah, blah, blah. It's because there is one standard and we are giving our life to push everyone in this room, every child, every parent, every person in our church to that one standard. Don't you resent the fact that we're saying grab hold to the standard. Grab hold of it, Larissa, and don't you let go. Not one day, not in one thought, you grab hold of it. You know why? Because Larissa is going to be better for grabbing hold of this one standard. Come on, Brandon, there is one standard, man. What are you going to do for this one standard? You're going to grab hold of it. This is exactly what we must do, my friends, is we must grab hold. Turn with me to Numbers chapter 21. Numbers 21. I am so glad that the Lord is moving in our midst. I am so glad that I've seen young men preach fire from heaven. I am so glad that we're at a church where our youth can easily come up with six scripture strings on whatever topic that we need. I love it that our young ladies in this church can cast out demons. That our children can kick the devil right in his face. But this is for every one of us because there's one body there's one Spirit, there's one Lord, and we're going to grab hold. Come on, say grab hold. grab hold. In Numbers chapter 21, let's look at verse 8. Are you there with me? Yeah. 
The Lord said to Moses, make a snake and put it on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. Do you remember this story? They're sitting there. I, I want you to leave this scripture right up here for me, Joy. The Lord said to Moses, make a snake and put it on a Put it on a Nisi. Put it on a standard and you raise it up. So what is this saying? Let's, let's go ahead and do our own translation here. What happens? If you look at the snake that was put on the pole, you live. If you're a snake bitten, come on now. If you've got sin working in your life, if you've been snake bitten, anybody ever felt snake bitten? Yes. Anybody ever been snake bitten? Yes. Yeah, I've actually been snake bitten. I was actually in church and got snake bit. <laughs> Someone thought it would be a good idea to have a sermon example one day as, a, as me being a children's pastor at another place at another time for another, in another day. And what they didn't tell me is that the um, young intern, without much sense, who brought the box to me with an actual snake, real-life snake, <clears throat> had dropped the box in the process of coming to me. And it literally, he's like, here you go, Pastor. I'm like, hey, thunk. Ah! <laughs> yeah, that's not the kind of grab hold that I was expecting. It's a true story. True story. That's homiletics for you right there. <laughs> I could have done without homiletics. Without that one, I promise. But what are we saying? If, if we've been snake bitten by the power of sin, and the truth is, is we've all been there. What are we supposed to do? The, the story here, the picture in Numbers 21, is that we are supposed to look up to that bronze serpent, to the one who took all the judgment for sin and was raised up. And what do we do? We can look hold. And I'm like, I'm, I'm gonna, you're going to have to help me out. You're going to have to help me with this. Because it's not just that we look to it. Because we know that it's part of the Nisi that we just learned about. What does it mean? It means that we're going to... It means that we're going to... When we grab hold of this, the one who became, who knew no sin, but he became sin for us. You know what we're able to do? We're able to grab hold to that which gives us life. Amen. That standard that we must go to. Was there anything else around? No. You couldn't grab hold onto something else. You had to grab hold to the very standard that God established to even bring salvation into your life. Yeah. Come on, we got to grab hold. Yeah. Say it with me. We got to grab hold. Turn with me to Psalm chapter 60. Psalm chapter 60. Let's look at verse 4. Psalm chapter 60 and verse 4. Is everybody there with me? Yeah. It says this, But for those who fear you, you have raised a banner. You have raised a nisi. You have raised something, Lord, that we are supposed to hold on to, to be unfurled against the bow. You know what this means? Let's look at the next verse. Save us and help us with your right hand, that those you love may be delivered. What are we holding on to? We're holding on to a standard. You know what it does for us? It gives us refuge. It gives us the protection that we need to be in battle and to come out on the other side of this the right way. 
We're going to hold on to this standard. Go back to verse 4 for me, Joy. But for those who fear you, uh uh-oh, for those who've looked and decided that nothing else matters, only what we can grab onto in the Lord and the heavenlies so that He can protect us. You know, this is an interesting thought. Some of you are in the Acts classes. We looked at this and we're reading it in the English. I'm telling you Nisi from the Hebrew. Just to be, uh, for our students here, lest you think that we are preaching things that we don't actually practice, I went to the Septuagint and found out what this phrase says in the Greek. What Exodus 17, 15 says in the Greek. It says, instead of that the Lord is my banner, you know what it says? It says, the Lord is my refuge. Come on. He's our banner. It is a war cry. It is a standard. It is our refuge. It's almost like we can look to Him and run into Him and find the refuge that we need. How many of you need refuge, huh? Ever needed refuge? How many of you need it today? Yeah, I do too. So you know what we're supposed to do to this banner? You know what we're supposed to do for this war standard? We're supposed to grab hold of it. Come on, say grab hold. Grab hold. I want you hearing the phrase grab hold for the next three weeks. I want you hearing it in your spirit. I want When you start having a thought that is stray, you know, one of those thoughts that 2 Corinthians 10 tells us that we're supposed to take captive and make it obedient to Christ. You know, one of those arguments that you start having before anybody's even there? That we're supposed to demolish every argument and pretension? What's a pretension? Well, it's something that you make up. Yeah, it's something that gives you tension before there's even a reason to have tension. Pre-tension. I'm nervous about what I'm going to say to you. Why? Because I've already played out a whole argument in my head. I mean, not that any husband and wife have ever done that. Not that anybody has ever done that before you want to come talk to a pastor. Right? We are supposed to take hold of the standard. And we're going to make every thought captive. Every thought. You know how you make every thought? You grab hold of the standard. You grab hold to it every day. You grab hold of it, and then when you think you grab hold of it enough, yeah, you realize that maybe your arms are coming down, so you write. If we're grabbed onto the heavenly throne, to the throne of God, you know what happens? (laughs) If we're holding on to this thing rightly, it's not based on our strength and our arms start falling. We're based on something that cannot move, and we're locking in. (laughs) You need to think about the skid on on a helicopter. You're going to hold on and wherever this thing goes. Yeah, at some point it's just more scary to not hold on to it than it is to hold on to it. I've kind of gotten to that point in my life. Yeah, if I let go, yeah, where else will we go, Lord? You have the very words of life. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm not going to let go anymore. I'm just kind of past this. Yeah, I'm, I'm past the idea of even wanting to let go. As a matter of fact, I'm going to hold on tighter now. I'm going to hold on so tight I hope my hand freezes to this kind of sword. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to grab hold of this. Turn with me to Isaiah 11. Almost like we're doing law, prophet, and writing or something. Isaiah chapter 11. Let's look at verse 10. Lest you think that the uh, numbers was a little bit of a stretch. Lest you think the idea of the bronze serpent being lifted up is in fact representing Christ. We can do it a a couple of different ways, but I want to do it this way too. In that day, come on, somebody say it, that day. That day. The root of Jesse will stand as a Nisi for the peoples. Who's the root of Jesse? Okay, that was pretty weak. You dozed off on me there for a second. Maybe you were about ready to say grab hold. I got it, you know. 
I got you. So I'm, I'm going to do it again. In that day, the root of Jesse, who is? Jesus Will stand as the Nisi for the peoples. Amen. Come on now. You know you're supposed to grab hold of Jesus Christ and never let him go. You would need to be tenacious about your faith. What, what, did you use, what word did you use, Nick, to talk about worship? Ferocious? Come on, man. We need to have a spiritual violence about us that takes hold of something and is tenacious about how we hold on to it. Come on, somebody say grab hold. Grab hold. Come on, turn with me to another, another passage of Scripture. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Man, we got to grab hold of this thing. We've got to grab hold of this standard. A singular standard. One standard, Paul. You know what? That makes it really easy, isn't it? There's just one standard. You don't have to figure out which standard you're supposed to. There's just one. Hebrews chapter 10. Let's look at verse 23. Man, it's hard not to want to do more in Hebrews 10 here. Oh, yeah. Let's go to 19. It's too good. That's too good. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence. Somebody say confidence. confidence. Man, we want this to be a room full of people who have their confidence that is placed in the right place. If you are holding on to the standard, you know what you can have? Confidence. If you are walking righteously, you know what you can have? Confidence. You know what many of us need in this room? Confidence. It's true, isn't it? Yeah, it's because we're trying to do something that is extraordinary. We're trying to do something. We are trying to set a standard that is so far out there beyond any of us as an individual. We're trying to say, Lord, it's going to take your miraculous power to actually do this. Yep, that's the standard that we're holding on to. This world-changing power, yep, that's the standard we're going to have. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and a living way open for us through the curtain that is His body, and since we have a great priest. Come on, say great priest. Great priest. It's not some mealy-mouthed, limp-wristed... I'll just stop there. Priest. We have a great priest. Over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. Uh-oh. Come on, a godly sorrow will lead to... Repentance that leads to salvation that will leave no regret. Our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and have our bodies washed with pure water. Look at verse 23. Let us hold unswervingly. Come on, somebody say grab hold. hold. You got to grab hold to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. Yeah, I know you got weak arms. So do I. I, yeah, I know there's only so long that I could hold up the standard yet, but we have brothers right next to us. Amen. We have the very Word of God and the very Spirit of God to help us with this, that we can grab hold. Come on, say grab hold. Grab hold. Grab hold. Unswervingly to the hope we profess, for He who promised is faithful. Turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Let's look at verse 12. It says this, fight the good fight of faith. Come on now, look to your corner. Take a wide stance. Get your hands, hands eye high. Mount an offensive in every way. 
Fight the good fight of faith. Uh Uh-oh. Take hold of the eternal life. Come on, somebody say grab hold. Grab hold hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Not the pinky rays where no one was looking around. But you got to grab hold of this. Turn to Matthew chapter 13. Grab hold to this standard, my friends. Matthew 13 and look at verse 11. It says this, He replied, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you and not to them. Come on now. That's pretty special, isn't it? (laughs) There can be something wrong with us when we're trying to find secret things all the time. Secretive knowledge that puts us in a special place. But you know what the Lord actually says to us? When we grab hold of the right standard, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you. Man, this stuff cannot be deduced from human reasoning. This is not something that we're asking you to intellectually ascend to. We're saying grab hold of the standard and watch the secrets of the knowledge of the kingdom be revealed in your life. God. Verse 12. Whoever has will be given more. You know what that means to me? They, they, they grab hold of it. Yeah, yeah. Whoever has will be given more. Say grab hold. grab hold. And he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, whoever does not grab hold of this, even what he has will be taken from him. Yeah. Unless you think this is talking about a believer and a non-believer, it doesn't make sense. This has to be to believers, doesn't it? Like they're going to have the secrets of the kingdom that is going to get taken from them? Yeah, they don't have the secrets of the kingdom because they've never taken hold. This is talking about to the ones who are going to take hold and keep clenching down on it. They're going to grab hold of it and never let it go. Not for a day, not for an hour, not for a minute, not ever. There are no days off in Christianity. There are no times when you can, appropriately named, flesh out and it be okay. To know what to do right and not to do it is sin. Not enough people knew that. You would think that everyone would know. I, I gave that one to you as an easy one. To know to do right and not to do it is sin. What if you just uh, take a while before you do it? Slow obedience is no... You're sinning until you actually get it done. That's a good word. How many of, of us count ourselves as completely righteous... But our loading time and our spiritual CPU is really, really slow. Our little hourglass just keeps flipping over day after day, hour after hour. Still thinking about it. I mean, I know the Lord told me. I mean, I'm probably going to eventually get to it. I mean, I know there's a single standard. Every flip of that little hourglass is, is an act of sin in your life. How are we going to get back everything that the enemy has tried to take from us? (laughs) We hold on to the standard. When he says it, we do it. There is no better time than right now. Everybody say, right now. Right now. When am I supposed to do what the Lord told me? Right Right now. You know what that shows? That shows that you're grabbing hold of it. Come on, say grab hold. Grab hold. You've got to grab hold of this. Whoever has will be given more. How many of you want more in the kingdom? 
Yeah, me too. You know how you do that? You grab hold. Because when you grab hold, he sees that you're worthy to get more. Am I asking you to be the smartest person in the room? Nope. I, I was blessed to do very well scholastically throughout my life. We kid around and we overly, we kind of characterize ourselves and, and our pastors are so gracious and they're like, oh yeah, Wade's the smart one. Yeah, Wade just had to work really, really hard to do whatever he had to do. I'm not nearly as talented as most of you people in this room. You know what I did? You know what I learned at a young age was how to grab hold of what was put before me. You know what you can do? You know, what, you know what's better about that than just being smart? Uh, your intelligence has limits. You run out. But you know what? That persistence in doing good. Woo. Come on, Acts 2. That might be the very keys to the kingdom right there. Yeah. Turn to Revelation chapter 19. Come on now. Law prophets writing Older and Newer Testament about grabbing hold. Wow. 19 and verse 10. At this I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, do not do it. Where are you at, Acts 2? Anybody paying attention yesterday? Angels, demons. Yeah, if there's even an angel that wants to accept your praise, boy, you better run away. The righteous ones, the righteous angels here say, yeah, don't you do it. I'm just an angel. I just stand in the very presence of God. Don't you dare worship me. I am a fellow servant with you and with your brothers who grab hold to the testimony of Jesus. Come on, say grab hold. Grab hold. <laughs> the angel saying, yeah, I got to grab hold of your standard. I'm supposed to, the angel saying, we're going to grab hold to the very testimony of Jesus Christ. Yes. Come on now. This is what we are looking at, my friends. This is where we are today. Now let's go back to 1 Corinthians 12. As we're getting back, somebody say grab hold. What do we want you to do today? What do we want you to do today? What do I want you to do tomorrow? Yeah, that's the answer. You're right. This is what we're supposed to be doing daily, hourly. You know what starts? You know what you should be starting to think now? Because we've done law, prophet, writings all the way through the entirety of the word. Talking about grab hold. All right, pastor. Amen. Let's grab hold. Yeah, I think I'm doing that. We're grabbing hold. You should be placing where we are now in the Scripture with what the Lord has been speaking to us out loud today in our service. It's easy for us to rally and get you to say grab hold, isn't it? Y'all are a great church for doing that. This is, it's so much fun, I promise. But you can say grab hold, I don't know, the 40 times that we've done it today and not actually be grabbing hold to what the Lord has for you, can't you? Man, you can get all charged. Yeah, I need to grab hold. And not when it, actually, when it actually comes down to it, you're not really grabbing hold of all. We look at grabbing hold of some. We got one hand up there. Praise God, I got it. I got it. Man, I'm doing, I am in. Grab hold. The idea is that we are so all in that every one of us going for the same kind of standard is able to grab hold of what he has. 
Some of us are engaged with this entire last month of Talmudim and you are really trying to fight to be in, involved in more discipleship. You know how I know that? Because people are randomly showing up. Yeah. I'm like, hey, praise God. Yeah, come on, have lunch with us. Yeah, come on over here. People are, people are pressing in. They're doing it the right way. They're going, hey, I want to be taken in and attached and lavished and, and all the way through. I can see it. What the Lord is telling us today is make sure that you are grabbing hold of the standard so that every area of your life will be conformed to His likeness. Not just the people who are about to move to Turkey in the next few months. Not just people who we've sent to Peru or to Indonesia. But to everyone in this room. So let's go back to 1 Corinthians 12. And I want to read it to you as your pastor. I'm not asking you to learn this as a hermeneutic for all time. I'm saying that I am reading this to you as your pastor today. Is that okay? Amen. Let's look at verse 14. All that was for verse 12 and 13. Amen. That's good. Now look at verse 14. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. It would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. So what do we have here? We have in verse 14 and verse 15, people who are trying to disqualify themselves. The foot saying to the hand, because I'm not you, yeah, I don't belong to the body. Um, can I read this to you the way that it came to me this week? If we're talking about fivefold ministers, this house is supposed to raise up fivefold ministers. If you ever want us to apologize for that, you're in the wrong place because it's not going to happen. One of the functions of this local body is to raise up fivefold ministers and to send them out across the world. We're unashamed about that. You know what we must have to be able to send people out? Is the church. <laughs> yeah. We must have pillars. The way that we've been talking about it is we've got fivefold and we've got pillars. You know, it's, pillars are the foundation of what's going on. You want to have a strong base, don't you? Verse 15, if the pillar should say, because I'm not a fivefold, I do not belong to the body. Am I meddling yet? If the foot should say, if the pillars in this house should look at someone who, not by their own volition but because of Jesus Christ appointing them and them grabbing hold of something almost like they were a hand in the body, because I am not that, then I don't belong to the body. Those are demonic, wrong, evil thoughts for us to have because you know what that does instantaneously? It says that there are two standards. Not one spirit, not one body, not one Lord, not one faith, not one hope, not one baptism. Now we've got something different. Come on, Pastor, we're so glad that those young guys got up and preached. Man, you know, the truth is, Pastor, I don't believe everything they said. I actually don't really like everything they said. There was, I mean, most of it was good, Pastor. But there was like 5%. <laughs> okay, maybe it was like 10%. That really, I just don't know that I can, I don't know that that fits for me. If you have heard what we've been preaching for the past two months, and you've decided as a foot that because you're not the hand, you don't belong. What does the next part of that verse say? 
it would not, for that reason, cease to be a part of the body. I wholly and completely reject your argument. It's an invalid argument. It does not actually hold water, no matter how much you feel in this moment that it does hold water. The Word of God said it says, it would not for that reason, maybe there's another reason, but not for that reason, would not cease to be a part of the body. Look at the next verse. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body. It would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. Come on now, let's go ahead and get back everything the enemy's tried to steal from us today. Let's go ahead and grab hold of what the whole truth. Come on, let's grab hold. Say grab hold. Let's not leave any room for the enemy to keep kicking us around. Let's not leave any hint, any argument or pretension in there that the enemy can use to try to divide us. Because you know what happens when we get a 12th round series and then a Talmudim series? We ordain Buddy Brasso and watch him do great things. He's preaching at a church today. Pastor Jason Miller's church. I can't wait to hear about the great things that go on there. You know what begins to happen immediately? Man, we're still feeling, we're still feeling the love. I used to take kids to, to church camps every summer. Now we just do church camp every, every, every service and we don't need to take them to a church camp, right? But back in the day, we'd go and everybody kind of feel the camp love. Get a powerful service. Everybody's crying, hugging each other. You know what happens in those kind of places because it doesn't, it's not a part of their daily life. It, it wanes in the most quick kind of way. We're here today because the Lord wants to help you to make sure that there's no root, no seed, no small thing that is causing you to already divert from what the house that God has put you in. This family. You know what's already trying to happen is the enemy's trying to come away and steal the seeds that were planted in your life. Not going to let it happen. You know how we're not going to let it happen? We're going to grab hold. Singular standard, my friends. Singular standard. We're going we're gonna to address function here in a second. We hadn't got to the function yet. But if we come back to holding to a single standard, come on now. Uh, I'm going to do something that I normally don't do. I often tell about myself I'm very open. I, I don't mind these kind of things. There's a single standard. So when I, this was years ago, I was a educator, a principal. I worked 60 to 70 hours a week, at least. I was in grad school at the time, getting my master's degree in education. On top of the 70 hours a week, I was in grad school. On top of that, I had two kids at the time. On top of that, we were volunteering in our church. On top of that, I was leading worship. On top of that, we were doing that. You know what I found? I found in those seasons that there was no amount of busyness that can keep me from grabbing hold of what God had for me. How about you? Are you allowing work excuses to get in the way of this? Yeah, pastor, that's really for them. There's no excuse that we have if there's a single standard, right? right. If we're grabbing hold of the truth... There is nothing that can come in the way. The only thing that comes in our way is us. Let's keep reading. Y'all with me? If the whole body, verse 17, were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? 
If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? Um, by the way, I'm going to push pause on that. The way this verse, I think, comes across to most of us is like a, valve, a pressure relief valve. Something is building on the inside of us. We're getting there to something. We're going, golly, am I saying, am I the foot saying to the hand? Am I an ear saying to the eye? Am I looking at someone else and saying, because I'm not that, then I should remove myself? And then you get to verse 17 and you go, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I mean, if the whole body were in here. Yeah, I know that. I mean, I know that not everybody can be a singular function in the body or it becomes weird. Whole body were an eye. One big eyeball. That's weird. If the whole body were an ear. Weird. You know what this is supposed to do, though? It's not supposed to detach your heart from hearing it. It's supposed to remind you of how practical and real this is. You can't disengage your heart because you engaged your brain and went, yeah, I know that, Pastor. How silly is that? Of course we know that the body can't just be an eye. And yet your heart can sit here and go, geez, I'm, I'm not them. Let me address something else while we're here. Let's take, a, let's take a spleen. Everybody knows what a spleen does, right? No, you don't. <laughs> it's okay. Everybody's like, eh, ish, kind of? It's over here by the stomach? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Let's just say you're being, let's say your assignment in the body of Christ is to be a spleen. Come on, spleen. You know what? As a matter of fact, let's just say that Ella Treister, she's a spleen in the body of Christ. What a pretty little spleen. Man, she's just functioning so well as a spleen, I can't even stand it. You know, one day, Ella, if you continue on this tremendous path that you're on on spleenery, if you continue to be spleenerific, one day, you might be able to be a liver. That's stupid. That is absolutely asinine. Why do you think that if you continue to grow in your spot in the Lord that He will promote you to something else? That is a carnal worldly way to think. How about you figure out what it is that, the, that God actually has assigned to you and you do that with all of your heart. Let's look at the next verse. Let's look at it. What does it say? Verse 18. But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body. Every one of them. Say everyone. Everyone. All means all here, folks. No great secrets if you look at it in the Greek or anything else. God, in fact, has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as He wanted them to be. You don't like my assignment? You take it up with Him. You don't like your assignment? You better take it up with Him. You better quit looking at the hand and figuring out what's wrong with the hand. You better quit looking at the hand and figuring out what's wrong with you. It's just as ridiculous to look at another function in the body I respect Pastor Eric and Pastor Matt, our elders, as much as any men that I've ever met anywhere in the world. You know what the most ridiculous thing on the planet for me to do? And we're covenant partners. 
We're a team. The success of one is the success of all. The failure of one is the, is the failure of all. We have gone all in on this thing. You know what the most ridiculous thing in the world for me to try to do? Is look at Matt and lament my position in the body based on what Matt can and can't do. What Eric can and can't do. And we're together and we're a team. And you know what I can't do? You know what I'm not allowed to do? Look at myself and say I'm not that part of the body so I don't, I'm disqualified. Because what are we doing when we're doing that? Come on, stay with me here, guys. Are you with me? Let's look at the Scripture. What are we doing? If God has, in fact, arranged the parts of the body, every one of us, just as He wanted, what is your real problem if you don't like or don't understand your place in the body? Your real problem is you don't like what God has done with your life. You are so carnally minded, even in the things that are trying to be spiritual. You're saying, yeah, but pastor, you don't understand. Everywhere I've ever been, I advance quickly. Well, good. This ain't one of those places. Because I'm talented and I'm smart and I work hard and I can do this. So won't I advance? Yeah, that's the worldly system. When I was good at being a classroom teacher, really, really good, you know what I did? I advanced to be an assistant principal. And then when I got decent at that, then I became a principal. And if I would have stayed in that network, you know what happens? I move to a central office somewhere and get a cushy job. Hey, this ain't that. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, this ain't that. <laughs> it might even hold you back to think this way. What we're trying to get you to do is make sure that we don't have any area where the enemy keeps just coming in and you've locked down your house, right? Man, tell my damn, I'm going to press in. I'm going to do this right. I'm going to lock these doors. Enemy can't come in. And you leave your back door wide open. He just keeps coming in your refrigerator and taking it whenever he feels like. Walk off with your TV. That may not be a bad thing. But you know what I'm saying. Take it. We've got some open doors here that we need to slam shut. You know how we're going to slam shut? We're going to grab hold of his standard today. You're going to get set free. Because all these things that keep bothering you, they keep pestering you, they keep in the back of your mind that's wanting to divide you, we're just calling them out. We're being real with it and saying, we're going to crush those things today. You're going to crush it in your heart. There's something about when you just set your face like flint, you just get a steely resolve about what's right. You grab hold of it in such a way that you've decided that from this moment on, it will never happen in me again like that. Yeah, today's going to be one of those days for some of us in here. But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as He wanted it to be. You don't like your place? It's because you don't understand God. You need to repent of that idolatry, of setting your own thoughts higher than what God's plan is. You don't like the pathway that He's doing it. Isn't that just like Naaman in, in, in uh, Kings 5? Isn't that just like Naaman? What was Naaman's problem? He got mad. Why? The dude had leprosy. I thought, surely the man of God would have come out and waved his hand over my sore spots and I would have received healing from the heavens. The dude is about to get healed and he doesn't like the way the healing is coming. We got some Naamans in the house today. We got some Naamans in this house. 
And let's be honest. Even some of you who are not typified by that in your whole life, you've got areas where you're acting just like Naaman. You don't like the way that the man of God, he said, yeah, go wash in the river. Yeah, you don't like that? You don't like the, the Talmudim where we're encouraging you to press in? I, I know it'll probably bring healing. I, it's not that I'm disagreeing with what you're saying. It's kind of that I'm disagreeing with how you're saying Pastor. The reason that some of you guys are feeling the way you are is because you know that I'm right and you've said some of these things. Do you know how I can do this and say this to you? Because the devil says it the same way every time. So when we hear it as pastors, when we hear it as leaders, it sounds the exact same. You know why? Because it's the same stinking lie every time. It may be new to you. It may be a new lie in your brain. You'd be like, hey, pastor, I didn't know. Yeah, but you know now. I'm not even holding the past again. You know now. You're going to be like Naaman? You don't like, you don't like the, the way that God is doing this in your life? We want every member of this church to have the same standard. And if you don't, it's really okay. Go somewhere else. You have pastors who didn't preach for a month. We're not basing our worth on how many people sit in this room. We're basing our worth on each one of you grabbing hold to the things of the Lord. Each one of you, whether you're a foot, whether you're a hand, whether you're an eye, whether whatever it is, we actually get great joy in you being exactly what God has designed you to be. We're better. We need you. Yeah, but I can't get to that yet because you're still being Naaman. You know, think about Jonah. Have you ever read? I mean, it's a, it's a short book. You ought to read it this afternoon, tomorrow. It'll take you like 15 minutes. Yeah, we know about the part where he gets swallowed by the great fish. You know what happens after that? He goes to the city. The city repents. City of Nineveh, 120,000 people. That is a boss of an evangelist right there. Whole city. 120,000. Man, that's great. He's mad at God. Chapter 4 ends. I think it's one of the only books I can think of that ends on a question. He starts off and he's like, he's upset with God. God's like, you're mad at me because I showed mercy and saved 120,000 people? How ridiculous is that? I knew you would do it. I knew that I would go in and preach and that they would all get saved. What? How, is, how are you not jumping up and down? Boy, it's funny when it's Jonah though, isn't it? <laughs> it's not as funny when it's you. Are you upset because God's mercy and His grace have been extended to people in this room? Come on. That He's called and appointed? He's empowering them to do great things? Are you upset with His mercy and His grace? Are you Jonah today? Man, we don't want you to be Naaman. We don't want you to be Jonah. Man, we want you to be the right part of the body, grabbing hold of the standard. Let's keep going yeah. here. <clears throat> Verse 19. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Man, what a beautiful thing. Verse 21. Y'all still with me, huh? Okay. The eye cannot say to the hand. Uh Uh-oh, now we got a different thing going on. I don't need you. 
Verse 14, what does it do? It says, you don't need me. I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. Let's do the homiletic for just a second. Since I've kind of replaced feet with pillars and hands with fivefold, let's just see if it works here too. The eye cannot say, those who think they can see cannot say to the fivefold, I don't need you. Wow. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. The head, who is Christ, would never say to the pillars that I don't need you. A person in right standing here in this body wouldn't look at leadership and say, yeah, I don't need you. Guys, we're not trying to be weird. We're not trying to control you. We're, in fact, trying to hold a singular standard that says, this is what the Word of God says. I get it. We would have all picked different men than us. No doubt. I don't say that as a flippant thing. That's true. I would have picked someone different than me. I, I would have. If I were God, but apparently he chose me. And I'm surely going to respect him and grab hold of everything he has. And if I have to run you over to keep grabbing hold of it, I will. But because I'm wired to be a pastor, you know what I want to do? I want to take all of you with me. I want to say, hey, I'm not going to let hold. I'm going to stay holding on to this, but you need to do it too. This is how you do it. Stop thinking like Naaman. Stop thinking like Jonah. Grab onto this thing. Quit looking at other people and saying that you don't belong. Quit looking at other people and saying they don't belong. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. We don't believe this scripture any more than we believe in the Easter Bunny. Some of us in this room don't believe this. You know why? Because you would live differently if you actually did. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. I was kidding about around about Ella the spleen. Right? Well, you get in trouble if you get your spleen messed up. Bones sometimes are pretty easy to fix. There's some other things that are very, very difficult that create some incredible problems in your life. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. You know, it's an interesting word, this word honor. Um, Joy, can you show us the Greek behind this word, special honor? Can you all see that? It's 5092. (laughs) The word is time. T-I-M-E. Can I tell you that your pastors here at this church want to give you some special honor? Especially if you feel like you don't understand your place in the body and you might just be more honorable than, than, and more necessary and more indispensable. Come on, husbands. We got Valentine's Day coming up, right? Ten days. Right, guys? Yes. You're welcome. <clears throat> You're welcome. <laughs> Better grab hold. Come on. Turn to your wife and grab hold. You got to... We got, we got Valentine's Day coming up. We can do a lot of kind of gifts. We, a lot of special gifts can go on. But how is your wife going to spell love? T-I-M-E. Come on now. How are you going to treat your wife with special honor, guys? You're going to give her some T-I-M-E. You're going to get some special 
T-I-M-E. Uh-huh. Yeah. You're welcome, Joy. It's all right. This passage says the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special time. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. Well, pastor said I couldn't do this and they don't think I should move here and do this. Yeah, perhaps we're just trying to treat you with special modesty to keep you from getting injured. Perhaps we actually care about you and we only want what's best for you. We're not trying to control you. You're all grown-ups. You can do whatever you like. And we're bad shepherds if we don't tell you that we think you're making a bad decision. You know why? Because we're the ones that have committed to you that when you mess up and you put yourself in a world of hurt, we're going to be there anyway. We'd just like to be there with you when you're not in a world of hurt. Perhaps that's part of what it's talking about when, when we're praying that for our leaders, when we're thinking about the leaders who are over us, that we can be that you can be a blessing to your leaders. That's how you're a great blessing to us. Man, grab hold of the standard and you do it right. If we don't think you are, we love you enough and we'll tell you. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it. So that there should be... Well, okay, wait, 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 wait. Are you with me on 25? Everybody with me? 25. What is the point of you knowing your place in the body. So that there should be no division in the body. There's not multiple standards here, guys. There's a single standard that we are going to... That we're going to... We're going to grab hold of the standard because it says that the whole point... You understanding that there are special parts of the body that need more honor or time or attention or whatever it may be, and you think because you're not on a stage that you're not special in this place. That's a foot looking at a hand saying, I don't belong. And it's demonically wrong because it creates division in your heart. There should be no division in the body, but how do you know that, oh, pastor, we're not divided. I mean, but that its part should have equal concern for each other. Come on now. Go ahead and put that as your measuring rod right now. Put that as the standard for you. Do you have equal concern? Do you have equal concern for the Rayosaurus as you do for the Piros? Do you have equal concern for Carlos and Patricia and their family as you do for Nolan and Tara and their growing family? Do you? Do you have as much concern for Gabby? as you do for Nick and Sam and AJ. Standard, my friends. Here is the standard of God's Word. If you, can, if you can't say yes to any combination that I'm about to give you, perhaps you've got division in your heart. Perhaps you're a little bit more Naaman than you want to give credit for. Perhaps you're a little bit more Jonah than you actually want to think. Perhaps you're a foot looking at a hand and not understanding why you can't grab things the way they can. We're going to get all of it today. We're going to get all of it today. Instead of looking at it and being jealous, how can one part of a body be jealous of another part of the body? We all win together or we all lose together. Amen. That's the way that we live our life. At this point in my life, I've been married to my wife for over 21 years. Where else would I go? Right? Grab hold. Little T-I-M-E, right? Yeah, there's nothing in, in, in my life 
my success is so not about me anymore. It's about whether my wife succeeds. It's about whether my kids succeed. My success is about whether you succeed. Is your success about whether your brothers and sisters succeed? Do you love Keith and Floor and Ivy and Devlin as much as you love the Smiths? Are you concerned for them? Do their problems bother you? Well, pastor, I mean, you're a pastor. Yeah, it weighs on me all the time. I go to sleep thinking about you guys because I'm concerned for you. I don't have more concern or less. But what about you? It doesn't say that the pastors should have concern for each other, for all people. It says that each part should have equal concern all the way around. Come on, how are you measuring, how are you measuring up to the Word today? Verse 26. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Some of you, by the way, like half that verse and you don't like the other half. While, while I'm getting at it, let's just go ahead and get at this too. You're okay with the idea of everybody suffering, but not rejoicing with the honor. Some of you are part of, okay, I'll, I'll celebrate with you, but yeah, that whole hurting with you thing, yeah, I'm not interested in that. Either direction. Whether you want disqualifying yourself or disqualifying others, this passage gets right at the, at the core of it. Now, verse 27, you are the body of Christ. Yes. And each one of you is a part of it. Yes. Come on, each one of you. Everybody say each one. Each one. Would you stand to your feet with me today? I want us to end together. Stand to your feet.